love the Lord. It doesn't matter where we go. We just fall in love again. And when I go home, I'll go home to grandchildren that will just run to me and I'll run to them and a husband that waits and adult children and loved ones and family and friends that I've had a lifetime. But when I go home, I go home with you. And as I embrace them, I will be thinking of you. And I thank you for such love. Um, I have truly been um, a recipient of, of evangelism, which truly is simply love. Love where we are. But I'd like you to turn to First Chronicles. Uh, chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm, so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Jabez was born and named after pain. But what he really asked for is to simply evangelize, that he wanted to put that pain away. And you know, when we evangelize, when we share love, it doesn't matter what our pain is, it disappears. And I was looking um, in the dictionary for what evangelism means. You know, evangelism really simply means what our theme has been all week, making God known. It didn't say where. It said making God known. It says evangelism is the spreading of the Christian gospel by preaching or a personal witness. Evangelism is zealous advocacy of a cause. But the Lord says in Matthew 9:37, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Why is that? Why is it that the laborers are few? Is it because we feel like we're not good enough or we're not perfect and we may look like we are um, a contradiction to what we're saying? Is it that we don't feel that we're comfortable with the word and that we might not look intelligent? What is it that would have the Lord make a statement, the laborers are few? There are so many of us here today. How many of us are evangelizing? But then what does that mean for each of us? You see, evangelizing is simply sharing the love of Jesus. It doesn't mean that 
we are going across on the other side of the world, or that we have to put, it up, put up a tent and have a tent effort, or even have our camp meetings. Evangelizing is simply where we are. And you know where it starts? It starts in a place that sometimes we pass right by every morning in our homes. Evangelism starts when we open our eyes in the morning, when we have the opportunity to say to someone that we live with, good morning, that I love you, that I appreciate what you do every day. How many of us really do that? How many of us, me too, really said this morning to your spouse, I love you. Thank you for this week. I know it's been tough, but I'm so glad we're together. Intimacy, we've been talking about it all week. But intimacy is evangelism. Because as the Lord evangelized as he walked this earth, he did it in intimacy. He did it one by one. And for those of us that think that we're not worthy, I could feel that way. I do feel that way. But what I know is that though I feel so unworthy, I have to trust that if God puts me somewhere, that he knows who I am, and I simply need to just do what he asked me to do. And he'll cover whatever this mess is. You see, Mary, when you think about the Samaritan woman, the Samaritan woman, we know who she was. But when Jesus met her at the well and he healed her, she didn't wait a minute to evangelize. He healed her and she was gone. And you know the other thing for those of us who feel like we're so sinful that we can't evangelize, we can't share a testimony because we're afraid they're going to say, well, I know what you've done or what I've seen you do, and so we just don't touch it. But you know what? The truth is, because the woman at the well was so sinful, her testimony was more powerful because they didn't even question her testimony, did they? When she ran into town and told them what happened, they believed right away. So does that mean even that even in our sin, it, it makes us have a greater testimony? That's kind of what that looks like there. Because we can be, we're all sinful. But when we let it go and God changes us and he puts his spirit in our heart, do you know that's so much more powerful than anything the devil would ask us to hold on to to prevent our ser service to the Lord in evangelism. My sons, and some of you know and some of you have just come today that I uh, have four children. Two sons went to jail. Um, the younger son, he's, he was able to, to get past that. The baby girl who's 29 now fell in love with a drug dealer. But it all turned out awesome because the older son is the first elder and an assistant pastor to church in a way that the woman, the Samaritan woman is. My son, I've been calling him long distance for 
consulting me on talking every morning. Andre, so tell me about this, because he has that Bible so engraved in his spirit. And my second son, who's now, he's in a mental facility. And he's been there all his adult life. And it's okay, paranoid schizophrenia. But when I leave my son, I am so empowered by his truth. Because he knows who God is. But he just kind of says it like, listen, Ma, I told the Lord, if he doesn't come today, I'm not going with him. Because I'm ready for him to come. And that's just how he talks. I'm like, could we, do we feel that way? Do we feel like, Lord, I want you to come right now? He evangelizes to me. There are men in prison where I spent 10 years because when my boys went through what they went through and I was in a jail one day and looking around at mothers and grandmothers and everybody was crying, including me, he says, I need you to give me your sons and I need you to do something for me. I need you to show all of these women how they can have joy in the midst of their pain. <laughs> kind of like Jabez. But it's not just women, it's men too. Men suffer pain. But what we need to know this morning, and I know there's pain, and I know there's pain here, but in the midst of the pain, you are so powerful in your evangelism of love because I'm a recipient of it. But we have to remember just like those of us who may have forgotten to tell our spouse this morning that we love them. That was our first evangelism, but we ran here to talk about evangelism. But we forgot to start at home. Well, I want to say to you that you have run to me and you have loved me well. You have evangelized me and you have changed my life. But don't forget home. That's you. You must evangelize to each other. And when you can do that to each other, then you're going to be ready, just like I'll be ready, to have a 10 effort, to go to another city, to go down to downtown London. Then we're going to be ready for that. But not until we start at home and then in our churches, loving each other. Could we put away our egos. I have one too. I've had an ego too, and I still do. But the Lord really wants us to put that away because our evangelism starts when we can simply say, I'm sorry. Do you know how powerful that is with evangelism to say, I'm sorry? There are many of you here that need to say I'm sorry to each other. Just like I do, I need to do that too. And so this morning I think the Lord is saying we can talk evangelism, but if we don't live the life, we're like, what is it? Brass noises. There are some men in prison where I spent 10 years started an organization called Mothers of Incarcerated Sons. And I found the most wonderful men of my life in prisons. We have to be so careful not to judge who is worthy to evangelize and who is not. 
because there were some men that I met in prison who had life sentences, and I mean penitentiaries, that have life sentences, four and five sentences, that will never come out. And by the way, the majority of co the color in prisons is ours. And I think we all know that. But do you know those men evangelize where they are? Those men organize their own self-help groups for other men coming in, young men. Do you know why? Because they say if we can embrace them and save them, when they go out, though we're not, our families will be protected because they'll be better men if we care for them where we are. There are young men that go in prisons and they want to commit suicide. Do you know that there are these men who have life sentences that have mentoring groups where they will identify a young man like that and they will embrace them and see that they're not alone? They are evangelizing in prison with what we would consider no hope. But they get it because their hope is the Lord and they know they have eternal life. Could we just evangelize in our own homes? I have a little, two grandbabies, I have five. 19, 17 that I look up to, 16, three and two. And I love my grandchildren. Well, the three and two year old, everybody says that between them and myself, we just have some serious dysfunctional issues because we love each other so much. <laughs> But, you know, there are times when they're there and our family does everything together. Now, we've been dysfunctional and, I, and we've shared all, all the stuff that I shared, but there's love. So we always have things. We have every Sabbath, every weekend, we're always all together. The kids, the in-laws, the children, all of us are together. Well, my little three and two-year-old, they get active. And you know when everybody, adults are having dinner, Everybody's having dinner, and we tend to pick on the kids. It's like, stop doing that, Justin. Stop doing that, Desi. You guys sit down, but we're adults, and we expect our precious little ones to just, what, sit and listen to our gossip? <laughs> really? So me and my grandchildren have this thing. You see, I love my grandchildren. There is nothing in the world I would not do for them, which sometimes now means a whooping. <laughs> but when I looked on this day and I kept hearing their names, Justin, stop it, Desi, stop it, and everybody's busy talking and watching TV. And I just looked at them from a distance because I already knew what they needed. They needed to go outside and get some fresh air and play. Now, I'm on the other side of the room with all these people, and I just looked at them. And their eyes were on me, and I said this, and they came. Do you know why? Because there was a trust in that relationship that they knew if I said come, it was going to be something good because they know I love them. And the other part of this is, if I had wanted to save them from all those adults and they weren't paying attention, they would not have seen me say, come. 
So when I looked at them and did this, everybody was talking. They didn't even understand what was going on. They ran to me. And I grabbed them in so much love and walked them outside to the wagon I bought that they love. And we went for a ride in the wagon. They were so happy. And so was I. Do you know the Lord does that with us? We're all over the place. We're evangelizing. We're spending fortunes doing all sorts of things. I know in the States, we put up tens, thousands of dollars. We're doing all kinds of things. But some of the truth is, and I don't mean to be offensive, those that we have in the church, we haven't taken care of them. There are so many needs. So we're out there with more evangelism and we're not taking care of what we have. So it is very important in our evangelizing that we get in a corner like those babies and keep our eyes on Jesus. He will tell you where to evangelize. He may never have you evangelize anywhere but right in your house with your own husband or your own wife. Our hands are full, I think, right now in those relationships and with our children. And see, with evangelism, it's unconditional love. That means when my daughter got caught up for a minute in some drugs, I can't, I don't have time to be mad at her. I don't have time to be embarrassed. I don't have time to say, oh, angel, what are people going to think of me? What I needed to say, I needed to evangelize with my child. Not even my neighbor, my child. I needed to say, what are we going to do? I'm addicted to sugar and chocolate. My family knows I have to have sweets. I said, Angel, let's do it together. You don't touch that. I will not touch sugar, desserts, or dairy until we conquer this. That's evangelism. And do you know we did together? And she is a wonderful, beautiful girl who gave me permission to share those stories with you. So time is up, and I don't have a lot to say, except sometime we miss simplicity. And Jesus was so simple. He just walked one person at a time, loving them and embracing them like you have loved and embraced me. But what he's saying is turn it on each other, because I'm going home. I hope to come back, but I'm going home. But with all that you have given me, with all that you have given all these other guests, you deserve to give it to each other. And when you give your evangelism to each other, it's gonna just automatically spread. Just think how all these years later is Jesus the center of our life when he just went one by one, unless we missed something, unless he did something that we don't know about. He walked one by one. He took in disciples, which by the way, were not perfect. They weren't perfect at all. And he loved them. And he allowed them to have the privilege to care for others. And if we will see caring for others as our gift and do it. 
the Lord will fill us with so much love that we won't have to do anything but be right where we are. And we will watch God's gospel spread as he said it would, and the Lord will come, and we will be together in a mighty way and wonder how it all happened. Because all we'll know is that we loved each other one by one. May the Lord bless and keep you. Please understand the power of love. Let go of everything else. Trust each other. That's evangelism. You cannot have a relationship if you don't trust each other. And if there are things that have happened that would keep you from trusting each other, ask the Lord to tear down those walls and begin to build the trust again. Everybody make that commitment during this day because that's going to be your evangelism. And if you don't start there, if I don't start there, we're all wasting our time. God loves you so much. And I love you. I, I appreciate you. I can't tell you who you are in my life. Pastor Ose, I can't even explain to you. Thank you for obeying the Lord and allowing me to come. This wasn't for you. It was for me. But God bless you. And remember the prayer of Jabez. It says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. We're all birthed in pain. But Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. God bless you. Amen.